This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Jerry Agar in for John Moore doing The Breakfast Wrap for you today for this Monday, the 12th of June. The five things you need to know. Olivia Chow, still far out in front, but support slipping in the latest polls. Mississauga's Bonnie Crombie makes a run for the Ontario Liberals official later this week. MPP claims he was punched during an Ottawa rally in support of queer and trans rights. Opposition will work with the government on a public inquiry into Chinese interference. And Nick Taylor wins the Canadian Open to end a 69-year Canadian drought. No drought today. Rain heavy at times. A special weather statement to that effect. That rain continues this morning and may end this afternoon, but rain could be as much as 50 millimeters or more in some areas. We'll hit a high of 21 Then tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud, a 40% chance of showers. In the afternoon, there's a risk of a thunderstorm as well and a high of 20. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. Jerry Agar in for John Moore today. He'll be back again tomorrow. He took a a long weekend for some kind of family thing in Ottawa, isn't that, or Montreal, or I don't know, one of those places. Get outside Toronto. Who cares? Uh, that's how a lot of people in Toronto looked at it, which is why you remember there was a comedian, Don Heron, and he played uh, he played a character called Charlie Farkerson. And uh, Charlie Farkerson was on Hee Haw as he played a kind of a country character. But I, I thought the best joke he ever told was the only thing that keeps Canada together is the fact that everybody hates Toronto. So, okay, and, and speaking of jokes, I have, I've started this little pattern of always opening with a joke when I fill in for John Moore. So here's today's. Guy walks into a bar, and the first thing he says as he sits down at the bar is, uh, hey, what's your, what's your Wi-Fi password? And the bartender says, you have to buy a drink first. And he says, oh, fine, I'll have a Coke. And the bartender says, okay, that's $3. Okay, here's your $3 and a tip. Now, what's the Wi-Fi password? You have to buy a drink first. No capitals, no spaces. All right. You looked at it. That wasn't the best one, was it, Nick? Well, I, I worked in a bar years ago, um, and um, I, I don't have the acronym in front of me, but it, ultimately it was, your curiosity just cost you a dollar for the jukebox. So someone come up to the bar and say, well, what do those letters mean? And, and then the bartender says, well, give me a dollar and I'll tell you. Yeah. And then he goes, okay, well, th- there you go. Here's, what's a dollar for? He says, well, your curiosity just cost you a dollar for the jukebox. And then the person was compelled to go to the jukebox and, and put in a dollar, which was brilliant because one, something. The, well, one, you, you create music in the bar and whatever. And two, yeah. there's another dollar in the jukebox. All right. Um, here's the thing I just saw of Charlie Chaplin regarding jokes. Charlie Chaplin told a joke to an audience, and they all laughed. He told the same joke again, and some people laughed. He told it a third time, and nobody laughed. And he said, you won't laugh at a good joke again and again, and yet you cry over the same things all the time. Oh, you had your, you, that wasn't a joke. You were, you were too quick to go there. 
Nick. When he brings in the drum kit, he's got to use it. <laughs> that's, a, that's what that is. I'm compelled to use it. You're compelled to use it. So uh, Ashley was talking about this on the news, but I just have to talk about it. I was watching the, um, the Canadian Open yesterday. And uh, it, it was it was fascinating if if you like that sort of thing. I mean, I realize a lot of people find golf boring, uh, especially on television. But uh, you know, as opposed to playing. Uh, but if you if you like sports and you were watching, it, it was edge of your seat kind of entertainment there at the very end because a Canadian had not won the Canadian Open since 1954. So there aren't a lot of people around who remember when that happened. But I um, I'm watching and. Here's the thing. Tommy Fleetwood ties Nick Taylor. And I'm thinking, I like Tommy Fleetwood. And I really don't know much about Nick Taylor, but I want to see a Canadian finally win this thing. And so Nick Taylor and Tommy Fleetwood have to play a playoff. First playoff hole, Fleetwood drains a pretty long putt in order to force a second playoff hole. They tie that one. A third playoff hole. They tie that one. They get to the fourth playoff hole, and Tommy Fleetwood can't get his second shot to the green. Nick Taylor puts his on the green, however, a long way from the hole. 72 feet, they said. So, of course, what happens is Tommy Fleetwood knocks his up not that far from the hole. He's quite capable of making that putt. I'm thinking, okay, well, then this is just another playoff because... That's a long putt, 72 feet. If you can get it anywhere nearby, that's good. No, he put it in. He pace. Are you serious? Oh, my goodness. Glorious and free. Glorious and free. Are we changing the anthem again? (laughs) Oh, he's an American announcer, okay? He was doing his best. It was amazing to see that go in. Do you do this if you watch sports? Nick, do you do this? If you watch sports, you're by yourself. Maybe your wife's away and you're sitting. This, yesterday I was watching sports by myself. I will actually say something out loud in the living room all by myself sometimes. Well, my wife uh, yesterday was watching a Jays game and she was in the, in the office in the next room. And uh, Biggio hit the three-run home run. Yeah. And, you know, to go for the Jays. Go, yeah. And she came running through. What's going on? What's going on? Then I had to explain to her, rewind right. the thing and show her the replay. It was just yeah. amazing. But, yeah. I did it in the living room and, and, and there was nobody there. My wife wasn't there, and so, but I'm just by myself, and sometimes I feel a little silly, but I can't, I can't help it. I did it twice yesterday. I did it when Biggio hit that home run, and the Jays came back and won that game yesterday, and then I clicked over to the golf, and I did it again when he sunk that 72-foot putt. By the way, here's a funny thing that happened during the course of uh, w- once the, the thing was over. Adam Hadwin, another Canadian golfer, I guess is a childhood friend of Nick Taylor. They grew up together playing golf. Adam Hadwin had a bottle of champagne and he ran out there in order to spray champagne on Nick Taylor as a celebratory thing. You know, the way uh, Vladdy likes to pour ice and water all over somebody during an interview with Hazel May. It's the same kind of thing. Um, And he got tackled, literally tackled to the ground by security. Adam Hadwin did. And apparently nobody was hurt, and Adam Hadwin ends up thinking it's kind of funny, et cetera. And, okay, no harm done. But I was looking at that this morning and thinking, wait a minute. Adam Hadwin is a pretty well-known Canadian golfer. 
Maybe the general public can't identify him out of a lineup, but for people who watch golf, they know who Adam Hadwin is. And I want to guess that security is supposed to have a clue as to what's going on around the golf course. And Adam Hadwin came 12th. You didn't notice him? (laughs) The people in security, you didn't notice him? You thought he was a member of the public? I want security who can pay attention. Adam Hadwin's not upset, so I'm not going to be upset. It's just a curiosity to me. Security doesn't have any idea who these people are. So um, upcoming, David Johnson stepped down on Friday night as the special rapporteur and the guy investigating the severity of and the government action or inaction on interference in our election processes by foreign entities, specifically China. Does that change anything? So we'll be talking about that throughout the course of the morning. Jerry Agar in for John Moore today. He's back tomorrow. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Jerry Yeager in for John Moore. We have a special weather statement with rain heavy at times today, continuing early this morning. Should end this afternoon, but we have rain in the forecast and maybe thunderstorms for tomorrow as well. 21 for a high today, 20 for a high tomorrow, and starting out at 15. On my show on Fridays, we have a feature called Touchdowns and Fumbles with Bob Reed. He's a communications expert, and he looks at the stories in the news, how they played out from a communications standpoint. Um, Sometimes he will look at something that a politician has done, and he won't like what the politician is doing, but give them a touchdown on the communications because he thinks they're selling it really well to the public. And, And that sometimes, by the way, makes people think he agrees with what the politician did. No, you can separate those things. Some people can't. Um, But the reason I bring it up is because for the last couple of weeks, we always ask a question, get people to vote. And the questions have been around David Johnson, former governor general, um, and a whole bunch of other um, qualifications and uh, um, plaudituds that uh, can be handed to him. But it didn't seem to work out for him very well as the special rapporteur on Chinese interference in our election system. He was getting beat up. And he, whenever we did a question on how he was doing it, we like 90% fumble uh, amongst the the voters who listen to my show. Um, However, finally, I guess it was enough for Johnson. And on Friday, he stepped down. Friday night is when they do things like this, hoping there won't be all that much news coverage. Uh, It's Friday night, but hey, we're not that forgetful. It's Monday morning. We can still remember he stepped down. Now, uh, Vashi Capellas spoke with the Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs, Dominic LeBlanc, on CTV Question Period about this. And uh, here's what the minister had to say. We thought he had contributed and could have contributed to the conversation in a productive way. There's no doubt that the partisan toxic climate had made his continued work more complicated. He came to that conclusion on his own. We respect that. Was it a partisan political climate or was it, and this is what Bob Reed would say, that he may be the most honest, straightforward, trying as hard as he can person in Canada. But if you're going to do a job like that, you have to be seen to not have a conflict of interest, not just say you don't have a conflict of interest. And he was buddies with Trudeau. Um, Now, do we need to go forward, according to the minister, with uh, some sort of continued inquiry? We agree with him that there should be a public part of the the process 
uh, over the coming months. So that's the work the prime minister asked me to do on Friday afternoon. Okay. Um, Johnson apparently wanted to continue. No, there weren't. Uh, we had he had made it clear publicly that he wanted to continue. Uh, we had confidence that he uh, had a considerable experience in these issues, had public credibility as a nonpartisan academic, former governor general. Some opposition parties decided to try and attack him and dirty him up. That's a comment on the politics that we're seeing today. It's not a comment on Mr. Johnston. All right. Uh, and uh, well, the challenge now, the opposition parties say that they are going to put together their own inquiry um, absent the liberals. And I guess if they all gang up together, they'll have a majority and they can do that. It, it just seems to me Johnson stepped down, but the circus is still in town. OK, um, here's one more from Minister Dominic LeBlanc. And now the challenge is to find the right person or persons to continue the work and hopefully Vashi find somebody who can create a consensus in Parliament and in, in the public in terms of their ability to do that. We don't want to put a second person into the sort of partisan snowblower that they, uh, they shoved Mr. Johnston. All right. Um, it, will it be easy to find a person? I don't know. I, do, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any suggestions. It's too early to have that kind of a suggestion. It's not even 530 in the morning. Try, try to come up with that name. Your head's going to hurt. Somebody just uh, wrote to me, it's too early for politics. Well, maybe. But all the other people writing to me are weighing in on the issue. So what am I supposed to do here? Uh, you know, I already told my joke. I'm not going to sit here and tell jokes all morning long. Just do you think if, if something happened and uh, or, or do you think, Nick, do you think it'd be a good idea if we told John you should start the morning every morning with a joke? Do you think John should do that? I mean, John did comedy for many years. And, See, he can uh, tell a joke. Yeah, he can tell a joke, sure. Yeah. But would that be a good idea? Like, I think coming up, I'm going to fill in for him for a couple of weeks, I think, when he goes on vacation. I don't know if I'm going to do it every day then. I was always doing it just as, okay, it's a flavor because I'm here for a day. It's just different. Yeah, and I think uh, I think the the whole idea behind the joke was you you figured well people think you're going to come out and do it like you normally do on your regular show, which is go out to politicians and have your own opinion on many things. But um, the, the morning show is a little different. I think you yeah. came up with a joke, so let's lighten it up just to, right off the bat. But uh, we'll have to ask John. Maybe maybe you know what you should write the jokes for John. He could do a, he could do it on a sweet sweet Friday. The Sweet Sweet Friday joke. That's what he could do. Um, I've got some stories and some commentary and, uh, and, and some of it from the, some newspaper articles and then my takeoff on it on the cost of living here in Toronto, the GTA. Um, and that's coming up as we continue here. Jerry Yegar in for John Moore on News Talk 1010. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. Jerry Agar in for John Moore. He will be back again tomorrow. Deb Hutton is going to fill in for me later on this morning from 9 until noon. Here's another one of these stories where it's amazing these houses exist in the first place. A house in Toronto just over 10 feet wide. This is like a cabin in the woods or a big dollhouse or something, isn't it? But apparently dotted around the city are these little tiny homes. A friend of mine lived in one that I think was 15 feet wide. Well, it's significantly different. It's not just that it's 50% bigger. I mean, that's significantly different. But I used to tease him that it's the bowling alley, <laughs> basically. But this house in Toronto, 
uh, CP24 reports, just over 10 feet wide, has sold for over ask. What was ask? The house sits on a, an 11-foot lot. Now, I guess there's not a lot of grass to mow. You got that going for you. They asked 1149000 Listen to this, though, before I tell you what it sold for. It's 10 feet wide. It's a one-bedroom. That's not surprising. It's a one-bedroom home. It has four bathrooms. Is that the only place there is to sit? <laughs> Just There's four bathrooms in there. Um, but they were asking 1149000 What did they get? 1450000 Just short of $1.5 $300,000 more than they were asking. But this article looks back at a few others that have sold in February, a home that was 15 feet wide in the Trinity Bellwoods neighborhood, hit the market for $3.4 million. Well, they didn't get it. They got 2.9. <laughs> okay. Uh, and in August of 22, a house less than 10 feet wide in Little Portugal was listed for $2 million, with the realtor stating it would make an incredible Airbnb. All right, so those are the kinds of house prices we're dealing with. Nick, did I tell you, because if I did, I, I, you know, there's no point in asking you to guess. Did I tell you about the house my son is buying? Uh, no. You okay. mentioned that he was going to, but you didn't get any into specific. The, the pricing? All right, so my son is in Dallas, the one that you hear on my show from time to time, if you listen to my show and, and hear him. Um, and he's an entrepreneur. He's a business person in Dallas. Now, this house that he's buying is in Dallas. It's not the suburbs. It's not where things would be cheaper. It's in Dallas. It's five bedrooms. So maybe he and the girlfriend have some plans that I'm not aware of. I don't know. But it's a five-bedroom home with four full baths and a half bath, an enormous kitchen, a, a great patio, which, since the patio is up, creates, if it's raining and you want a barbecue, a covered area underneath which you can barbecue. It has a garage. It's a one-car garage. And it has a yard and all of that in Dallas. Guess a number. You guess a number, and I'll have Nick guess a number as to what my son, it's not what he offered, he bought it. What do you, what do you think he had to pay? I would say in Dallas, uh, yeah. easily 650000 Okay. Now, is your guess higher or lower than what Nick guessed? Here's the actual price. You know what they say house is worth? What it sold for. This 10-foot house was worth over a million dollars, apparently. No, my son bought that five-bedroom Four bath, four and a half bath home for $280,000. I said that to Ashley Legasic this morning, and she said, Oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? It's quite a commute. <laughs> well, there is that. There is that, of course. Um, but it, it's just, there are so many places around North America where you can get a house for, that's a reasonable price. I mean, I think in the end, my son is probably going to pay less in his mortgage than he was paying for an apartment. Because I, I don't know, I think a decent apartment, now, the apartments are cheaper too, but a decent apartment in Dallas would cost you fifteen, seventeen hundred, something like that. I don't know that his mortgage will be that much, given he's only paying, I don't know what his down payment is, but $280,000. So when you visit Dallas, you can stay in one of those five bedrooms. 
Well, that's my plan. I'm visiting Dallas in July. You you know what? I'm going to get there just right about the time I think that I could help move. Just enough to move the boxes. Thanks, Dad. Just, just enough to move the boxes. But that's that's what we're dealing with. Is that um, you, you know people say, well, you can't afford. People just can't afford a house. Young people can't afford a house. That's true. In Toronto, and uh, and nearby Toronto, as a matter of fact, and a wider and wider circle all the time. Unfortunately, um, so. Um, somebody said, uh, what's the average salary in Dallas? People tend on average, I think, in the United States, turn a little bit less than Canadians do, but they don't pay as much in tax and they don't pay as much for things. So you don't actually need as much money in most places. I mean, look, if you want to buy a house in Manhattan, okay, then it's like Toronto or worse. It's not like uh, everywhere in the U.S. is cheap. Uh, congratulations again to Nick Taylor, the first Canadian to win the Canadian Open since 1954. And, and, and by the way, while I'm on this thing of uh, how much money it costs us to live, the, the star does this little feature where they will say, so-and-so, the person they're profiling, has a salary of this and expenses of this, and will they ever be able to buy a house or will they be able to retire, whatever the deal is. And they're profiling a young guy in the current um, piece that they're doing. And among his expenses is his $900 a month car payment. That strikes me as high. No, I haven't had, I haven't had to pay for a car for a while, okay? But I was looking at them recently. Uh, Nick, does that strike you as high? You have two vehicles, don't you? Or do you and your wife have the one? No, we have two vehicles. Yeah. One's uh, quite older. It's still running. Okay. Um, I would say a little bit on the high side, but not by too much, I don't think. I was looking this morning, just, you know, for fun, uh, and for, for my own interest, uh, frankly, but also because of this story that I saw to talk about it here this morning. And I thought, if I were to buy a car right now, I'd be okay with about a 2020, I don't need a brand new car, I'd be okay with a 2020 Honda Civic. Those things run forever. I'm not doing an ad for Honda here. You might be the same with a, a, a Toyota or, you know, whatever. But those Honda Civics run forever. And I looked this morning, and one of the local dealerships, just without any dickering or anything, just looking at their website, they had what looked like a really nice 2020 Honda Civic, and my payment would be just over 400 a month. Somebody just wrote in, maybe that young man can buy himself a Honda Civic and pay 300 a month. Now, if you wanted to stretch it out longer, I don't know how long you want to stretch it out for a car. I saw one where it was 72 months. I, went, I don't want to pay for 72 months for a car. I'm not living in it. Well, Although, you might have to. If you <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's the idea. That guy's got a $900 a month vehicle. He needs to drop the apartment. <laughs> That's, okay, well, we solved his problem. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. NDP MPP says he was attacked by a protester. He was at a protest. And when you're at a protest, there are sides, lines drawn, anger, 
raised, that sort of thing. There's no proof that he got hit. Some people are online saying, he wasn't hit, he made it up. You don't know that. I don't know that. He might have made it up, but you can't prove a negative. Unless there's actual video of him being hit, that would be proof that he was hit. There doesn't appear to be. But Karima Saad was at the protest. She's going to join me just after 7. So we'll talk about what it was all about and the likelihood of what might have happened. Jerry Agar here for John Moore this morning. Um, he's back tomorrow. It's just a one-day thing, a long weekend for John Moore. Deb Hutton will be in for me. Looking at uh, some stories this morning, I see in the Toronto Sun, this is an ongoing story. Golden Rescue's urgent plea for changes to a ban on dog importation. The Canadian government's ban was meant to stop the spread of rabies, but it's had a deadly impact on animals around the world, is what people say. And it's the Canadian Food Inspection Agency that put the ban on the importation of rescue dogs. It's a move meant to stop the spread of rabies. It's had a deadly impact on thousands of innocent animals around the world. I don't imagine this has anything to do with bringing your pet with you if you, have, if you move here from somewhere else. It might depend what country you're coming from. When I moved back to Canada, having spent a lot of time in the United States, we had a dog. We had a family dog. He's passed on since, but when I was moving here, we had the dog. And here's what happened. Here's what happened. We read the regulations about all of the stuff we had to get done to go to the vet and have this test and this needle and this uh, authorization, and that costs money. But we did all that, and my kids had that paperwork, by golly. They had that paperwork in their hands, and they showed up at the border, and nobody asked. <laughs> nobody asked anything about the dog. I mean, when they showed up at the border, my wife declared, as she was coming in with the kids, I was here working, that they're moving here. And they had the paperwork for that. So it was obvious that the, that the dog was moving here. It wasn't like, well, what about the dog? Well, he's going home. He's just visiting for a couple of days. He's going to drive back to, you know, they never asked. Uh, but that said, I have a bit of an issue with this story. I think the people of Golden Rescue and other groups that, that want to run around the world saving dogs, have their heart in the right place. They care about dogs and animals are treated pretty badly sometimes here um, and even more so sometimes in other countries. But I looked it up this morning. How many stray cats and dogs do we have in this country? And the number I could find were the ones that are turned into shelters. This is not the ones that are abandoned. These are the ones that are turned into shelters. And it was a couple of years ago, this was the only number I could find, 81,000 cats were turned into shelters across Canada in a year, and almost 30,000 dogs, which told me a couple of things. Well, first of all, that apparently once they have a pet, people realize the dog's a better pet. <laughs> They're turning in the cats. I'm trading this in for a dog. Uh, and uh, there's that argument that goes on forever about dogs versus cats as a pet. But if we've got 81,000 cats turned in in a year and 30,000 dogs turned in in a year, it just feels to me like as much as your heart is in the right place, there's work to do looking after animals in Canada, isn't there? 
without having to worry about whether or not we can bring them in from other countries. Please don't start texting me with an immigration argument <laughs> on this. This is an argument about rescuing dogs. Okay. Um, so I, I would say let's not worry about whether or not there's a ban on importing stray dogs into Canada. And let's put the effort and the heart. Truly, I think these people have a big heart for animals. I'm not trying to criticize them on that level. I just think it's misplaced. That's all. Oh, thanks for this text message. I, I said the dog had passed and somebody from Midland wrote in. I remember when your dog passed. I cried. You want to talk about emptying out a house? My youngest, um, our daughter, was getting ready to go to college. And the dog died, I think, on Wednesday. And then Saturday, we drove her to Pittsburgh for university. We went from a house with a, with a daughter and a dog to no dog and the daughter off at university. We were a little used to that because, you know, the older ones had, had gone before her. But still, when the last one goes, the empty nest, it was really an empty nest. Um, somebody writes, importing dogs is most concerning to dogs coming in from Egypt, a place known for horrific animal cruelty and poisoning. Okay, I don't know anything about that. I just know we have an awful lot of animals that are abandoned here in Canada. And by the way, um, I was talking to Clayton Greenway the other day. He's the veterinarian who does Animal House on Saturdays on News Talk 1010. And we were talking about how all the smoke in the air when it was at its worst might affect your animals. And we talked about that for a bit. And then I asked him at the end of the conversation about whether it was true or just kind of a thing that people say that during COVID, when people found themselves locked up at home more than normal, that people got a pet. And then once we got through COVID and they went back to a more normal life, they were abandoning the pets. And he said, there's truth to that. And that's unfortunate. So, um, Let's put the effort into worrying about the, the animals we have in this country who are in trouble. Another story in the news that I found very interesting. This is uh, a study that, uh, that just came out that was done over quite a number of years. And uh, actually kind of like a, a generation, so to speak. And it was done in the Netherlands. A decades-long study in the Netherlands, CTV News reports on this, is proving how beneficial sports and physical activity are for young children and how the impact can last into adult life. This was a study of thousands of kids, and it went from when they were very young, they talked to them at age six, and they checked out how they were doing, and then at age 10, and then at 13, 50% boys and 50% girls, and they found that kids participating in sports tested for psychological mechanisms, including self-esteem, body image, and friendship. They did much better than kids' positive self-esteem, they noted, was a key factor in children who played sports versus those who did not. The study concludes no other evidence was found for sports aiding other neurological, 
psychological or behavior variables, but mentioned more research was needed to see if sports can mitigate issues for children at higher risk of developing mental health. But positive self-esteem, there's so much good that can come from sports. If the kids participate in sports and the adults on the sidelines shut up. <laughs> except for the except for the cheering, okay? Leave the teenage referee alone and dial it back a little bit. Your kid's not going to play professional sports, so get over it. I'm Jerry Agar in here for John Moore this morning. He'll be back again tomorrow on News Talk 1010. Jerry Agar for John Moore. That's the Breakfast Wrap. You've been listening to the Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.